Welcome to Native Currents, a critical look at what's going down in Indian Country. Broadcasting from the shores of Lake Ontario, Ontario, an Iroquois word for beautiful lake or beautiful water. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and we acknowledge all the Indigenous peoples who have walked on these lands. Nice to be back in the Native Current studio after a summer being away. More than uh, January 1st, the beginning of September, feels like the beginning of a new year. The summer warmth will be Christmas, the Christmas of the fall, and we enjoy the new produce. It's a great time of year to cook with everything coming in from the fields, and we also summon the strength to deal with winter. Yes, Canada is a land of four seasons. A big uh, shout out to Steve. He is not here this week. Steve is uh, back at on his uh, in his community, the Saugeen First Nation on the shores of Lake Huron. Steve is uh, now a member of the Council of the Saugeen First Nation. Congratulations to Steve uh, on his uh, recent election. We hope to have Steve uh, back on the podcast very soon via the magic of Skype. And um, that, that'll be great to have uh, Steve's uh, dulcet tones uh, back, on the, back on the podcast. I uh, myself was lucky enough to be back in my own territory, the Mi'kmaq territory in western Newfoundland, home of the Halibu Mi'kmaq First Nation. I'm from the community of York Harbor, which is in the Bay of Islands. Uh, if you know the geography of uh, western Newfoundland a little bit, uh, the Bay of Islands is uh, near Cornerbrook, and York Harbor is about 45 minutes out the bay from Cornerbrook. When I was there, I had a chance to attend the regular council meeting of the, uh, of the Halipu First Nation, and uh, that was a great experience uh, on the last Saturday in August. It's great to see the Halibu very involved in cultural, a cultural reawakening in uh, southwestern, western and central Newfoundland, where the Halibu uh, people live. Uh, For generations, uh, we repressed the knowledge of our indigenous history. And uh, but now there is a very intense uh, desire for uh, language, for language training, for uh, just for general, a general understanding and appreciation of our own history as as people, a knowledge and an insight taken away from us through through racism that uh, we experienced and many indigenous peoples in Canada experienced. And um, so now we're trying to repair that and. Um, and Chief uh, Brenda Mitchell and the members of council are doing uh, are doing great work in encouraging people to to reclaim to reclaim our, our heritage. The the Halapu are also um, very involved in the economy of Cornerbrook. Cornerbrook is a city of about twenty five thousand, the second city uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, like many. Communities on the uh, in eastern Canada uh, hit hard by the downturn in the Alberta oil economy. Of course, uh, we have many people who 
worked in Alberta on a fly-in, fly-out uh, basis. Uh, a lot of the uh, the money that pays for the pickup trucks and new houses and all-terrain vehicles uh, are uh, that's Alberta oil money. Uh, so a lot, many of those jobs have uh, have gone at least temporarily and Newfoundland has also been hit by royalty uh, reductions uh, from its own offshore oil and gas because Newfoundland and Labrador itself has uh, has an oil industry and so those are, are a bit of a double whammy for for Cornerbrook and Western Newfoundland and uh, so the Halibu are are an important part of the economy uh, through uh, its uh, ability to bring in uh, funding through uh, federal sources and also um, through a, uh, a project being talked about now, which is to start an urban Indian reserve. Uh, there are more than 100 of those uh, across Canada. And uh, if you don't know what an urban reserve is, it's, um, it's land that the federal government designates as a reserve, but is not within a reserve proper. It's uh, within an urban area. And... Um, so the idea is that a, a First Nation like the Halibu can uh, can set up uh, various uh, economic activities on that land and enjoy the very same tax exemptions that would apply to a traditional reserve in terms of um, not having to pay uh, sales tax on uh, on items, for example. And that's that's a big issue for the Alibu because we are known as a landless band. Uh, we have status under the Indian Act but we don't have uh, reserve land per se. And um, uh, so that's, uh, that will be good for, for Cornerbrook and for, for the Halibu. The other issue the, the Halibu is dealing with uh, currently as, uh, as national significance, and that is uh, whether to remain in or leave the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples, or as it's now known, the Indigenous Peoples Assembly of Canada, uh, stay with CAP or move to the Assembly of First Nations, uh, the the mainstream uh, Aboriginal organization, if we can call it that, one that you're more uh, likely to hear about rather than the uh, somewhat obscure uh, CAP. Um, the the argument that many Halibu people are making is that there will be a better chance to advance interests within the AFN, which uh, is uh, is better funded, uh, has tighter relations with the federal government, and uh, has more more lobbying power than the uh, than uh, than CAP. Uh, so that's a debate that's taking place now within the Halibu. The Halibu are the largest First Nation in Canada with 24,000 members. So the departure of the Halibu f- would be a big hole in CAP, uh, which is uh, already struggling for for relevance and I think it's fair to say for its very for its very survival. It just so happens that um, that uh, this past week, uh, soon after I got back from Newfoundland, I heard. Dwight Dory, the national chief of uh, of CAP, speak in Toronto. He was here as uh, on his uh, what he calls his grassroots uh, tour of Canada. He spoke at the Native Canadian Center uh, in Toronto. There were about uh, twenty five people uh, 
present for uh, the last uh, of his stops across Canada. And uh, the, um, the ostensible uh, topic of the, uh, of, the, uh, of the evening was uh, urban, uh, urban issues. Uh, he talked about some, uh, some work that CAP has been involved in and made, uh, I thought, uh, an interesting um, uh, proposal, which uh, would be to uh, allow organizations to affiliate uh, with CAP. At the moment, it's a membership organization. And uh, so under his um, proposal, uh, an organization on its own um, would be able to affiliate and become a member of CAP and uh, and uh, carry on its uh, its some of its political work through through CAP. So it's um, we'll see if it uh, where it goes if anywhere. Um, certainly, we need in Toronto and uh, other cities across Canada a uh, a voice for urban. Aboriginal issues, the uh, the Assembly of First Nations, uh, despite its um, its money and clout, is invisible on the the urban scene. It pays attention to the to the to the chiefs who are the the head of the First Nations on reserve, um, and that's where. That's where the action is uh, for the AFN. It's on reserve, not in the city. So we need someone, CAP or whoever, to um, to be our voice uh, in the city. Um, now, you might think the logical thing would be for the AFN and, uh, and CAP to divide up the work. There is lots of work to be done. And, um, you know, the, the logical thing would be to have some, um, recognize some spheres of influence and uh, leave, uh, leave CAP uh, to deal with uh, these urban issues. But um, that, uh, that does, such an agreement does not seem to be in the cards since uh, the AFN does not deign to, uh, to talk to CAP. And... Um, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no conversation happening, and um, according to uh, Chief Dory, uh, the uh, the AFN would just as uh, would rather the uh, cap to go away, um, to have all the territory uh, for itself, and um, Chief Dory also said that. Um, there is, he doesn't uh, have a lot of support uh, within the federal government either. Um, so uh, here's, uh, here's what he had to say about that uh, in a chat I had with him uh, after, after the meeting. Uh, check it out. They like to see that as them being the only players in the game then. So, the, you know, effectively they're trying to squeeze... Uh, Cap or IPAC out of the picture, mm-hmm. and that's part of the battle that I have. It's not just about uh, trying to get uh, the government's attention to address our issues, but it's also about trying to get those guys from, you know, trying to force us on the sideline. So, um, 
he has uh, he has few friends in uh, in government, uh, Chief Dory. Um, but just uh, as he's uh, short of friends uh, within the uh, within the government, uh, he's having uh, some own some of his trouble within uh, with his own board and within the organization. Uh, he uh, the issue is uh, costs associated with the Daniels decision. Now, you might remember the Daniels decision from uh, earlier this year, a decision of the Supreme Court of Canada, which found that non-status Indians and Métis are Indians within Section 9124 of the Constitution. That's a very legalistic, uh, seems like a very legalistic matter, but boiled down to its essence, it means that non-status Indians are the responsibility of the federal government. And... uh, they can't, uh, the federal government can't brush non-status Indians aside and say, no, we only care about people who have a card. That's our only responsibility. And if you're a non-status, uh, you know, you're, you're, the responsi- you're the responsibility of the province. No, the Supreme Court said, the federal government itself has a constitutional obligation to non-status and Métis people. Just what those obligations are, we don't know yet that it has to be worked out, but it was a it was an important uh, decision, and um, and a huge victory for Chief Dory since uh, he and Cap have been involved have been involved in the case for seventeen years. It took seventeen years for the case to uh, wind its way through the um, through the uh, through the court system and. Uh, it ended in a uh, in a very important uh, victory. How ironic that his one of his finest moments would come back and haunt him and cause political problems now. The uh, the issue uh, seems to be the cost of lawyers that Chief Dory hired after the decision came down to to uh, give advice on what should be the strategic response to the Daniels decision. Now that we have the Daniels decision, what should we do now to turn it into uh, the the general uh, from the general decision uh, from the court into something more tangible? Um, uh, he wanted legal advice on uh, on how to proceed, but apparently. Uh, as lawyers often do, they submitted a bill that was um, uh, higher than expected, and um, and his board uh, was not happy. Uh, here's what uh, Chief Dory uh, had to say about that. Because we're talking about a lot of a lot of people, you know, you, you know, just just non-status alone, which if 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 it comes down to uh, you know me pushing. To, to be included, I'm going to focus on non-status, and we're talking about over 200,000 people, uh, because there's all this 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 this, this issue about well, who's who's Métis and who isn't. Although we know that there's a lot of Métis outside of that geographic area that the mm-hmm. Métis National Council claims, yes. there's a lot of Métis people who aren't direct descendants of the Red River Métis, mm-hmm. and they identify, and there are communities. That identify and, and the Supreme Court basically upheld that as a, as a as a 
as a means of determining entitlements, you know, uh, as Aboriginal or Indigenous people. So, so we know that there are other people out there. Uh, but again, it goes back to this distinction-based process and the three prongs that that's connected to. And that's where those three organizations are pushing. And for the most part, they got, the, they got federal government support in doing that. I mean, they have their, their connections uh, within the, uh, the Prime Minister's office, I believe, within Minister Bennett's office, and possibly even within uh, the Department of Justice office. I mean, you know, uh, the Minister of Justice was the former regional chief of the AFN. So, you know, uh, I don't see where we have a, a lot of strong friends. So, the head of uh, CAP's Quebec affiliate, Grand Chief Robert Bertrand of the Alliance Autochtone du Québec, is uh, challenging uh, Chief Dory for the national presidency. The election is in uh, is later in September at the uh, the General Assembly, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if uh, Chief Dory has a chance to carry on his work to. Uh, to uh, make CAP the voice of uh, urban indigenous issues or if someone else takes the big chair. So uh, it's, uh, despite the CAP being somewhat on the margins, it's a, uh, it has its importance, the, uh, the CAP election, because uh, the, the future of um, of CAP is, um, it means something for those of us whose interests do not fit into the AFN agenda. And um, we know that there's, uh, there are many issues that don't get dealt with, and one more actor is probably a good thing. So we'll stay tuned on uh, and let you know about the outcome of the election and what it means for Indigenous people and politics in Canada. That's it for this week. I'd like to thank you for listening. Subscribe to Native Currents on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Native Currents. And check us out online, nativecurrents.blogspot.ca. Thanks to Allison Baker for technical assistance. And thank you for listening. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.